Hey everybody, Tom Block. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles and thank you to Seminole Boosters for their support of this program and more than that, their support of Florida State student-athletes. If you're listening to this show and you're not a booster, what are you doing? Support the program and the student-athletes you care about. All the information you need is online at boosters.fsu.edu. Your gift makes an impact. It supports scholarships and sports medicine, strength and conditioning, nutrition, equipment. Buy tickets, show the student-athletes you care. All the info you need, boosters.fsu.edu. And all the info you need this week, well, here's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. This is Front Row Knowles. KJ, feels like we just got together to do this, but good to see you again, sir. Good to be seen. Unfortunately, our listeners can only listen to us, but via the power that is Zoom, you and I get to view each other. Well, we could turn our, our cameras off, but uh, in, but in what the fun case would of, that be? What in the fun case would of that tonight, be? We, do, we do both have them on. We've got, uh, we're going to have Bob Ferrante on, our Osceola Insider next segment. Uh, we'll talk more about Florida State's football prospects going forward than looking back at the Clemson game. Uh, we'll also talk with FSU head soccer coach Brian Penske. Uh, his team, surprise, Florida State soccer is good. Duh, what else is new? Water is wet. But uh, we'll talk about his uh, first version of Florida State. They're 10-1-2 and two right now. they got a big game on Thursday night as they host uh, North Carolina. Keith, uh, before we do turn the page in our conversation with Bob, anything you want to look back to uh, on Clemson that we missed in our recap on Sunday? The, the only thing that has struck me as being a little odd is there have been a number of publications that I've looked at, and based on how the, the, the title was and what the heading was, I made the decision to read and not read, but I was surprised by the number of outlets that deemed that Florida State's six-point loss to Clemson was a disappointment. I don't know whether to take that as is people or trying their own to, to promote their own agenda or did folks really think that Florida state was going to be closer than six points against the number five, number six team in the country. It's an interesting thought process. I think it's because there was a point where it looked like Clemson was going to blow Florida state out. And then, so the assumption is that Clemson took its foot off the gas, like we talked about and FSU got some points in garbage time. Uh, I don't think it was quite to that extreme. Uh, I also think if you look back at the first half, we talked about this Sunday, Keith, forget about the fumble from Jordan. Literally, if Trey Benson doesn't fall down of his own accord, trip over a blade of grass, Florida State's going to go up 21 to 14 at that point. Instead, they turn it over on downs, Clemson kicks a field goal and leads the rest of the way. I'm not picking on Trey. I'm just saying, and I, it doesn't even feel like a, that's football bucket. It's unfortunate that happened. And maybe Clemson still wins the game but it certainly changes the complexion of that game at halftime if he just stays upright and scores. Agreed. And, and my point simply being uh, FSU lost by six points to a team that uh, most felt, although the, the actual line shrunk as we got closer to kickoff, but most felt might be even a double-digit underdog. And, and, and so as, as a result of that, you know, I'm, I'm tracking on fans are disappointed. But it appears that the team understands they were that close and they're kind of recommitting 
during this off week and bye week to face the, the last third of the schedule, the last five games. I think the frustration, Keith, is that when this team is going good, they're running the ball down Clemson's throat and they're going on a 93 yard. I mean, who saw that coming against Clemson? The problem Agreed. is it's not there every play, every drive for, for a full 60 minutes. The reality is the Alabamas, I guess that's not the best example. Tennessee this year, Georgia, pick your team. They're not there all 60 minutes either, but they've got better talent across the board. So there's a little bit bigger margin for error than what Florida State's playing with right now. It's an oversimplification, but I think that's the way it falls. As we talked about prior to the Clemson game, if you want to win that game, you've got to play clean football, and FSU didn't do that. All right, we will uh, try to do a clean show. You know that that's going to be a tough task for us, but we'll try anyway. Bob Ferrante joins us next on Front Row Knowles. Stay with us. Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy. We'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank. Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Member FDIC. Fall is in the air. Football season's here, and your best deals are still at Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Whether you're tailgating at the game or taking a trip, we got what you need. With new vehicles rolling in daily and the best used car inventory in North Florida and South Georgia, it's a great time to buy. Looking for a truck? How about the RST or the Trailblazer, LTZ, High Country, or the ZR2? We've always got the right truck for you. So whether it's sales or service, come by and see us or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy and service your Chevrolet the Hobson way. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, time to dive deeper into some Florida State football talk. And we have our Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante, who joins us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. And Bob, uh, we texted today and uh, we're recording this on Tuesday. And you said, are we going to talk about the Clemson game or talk about the rest of the season? I said, well, I'd rather look forward than look back. So why don't we, why don't we start there, Bob? I, I was looking, and I don't look at all the advanced metrics and everybody's got their different power ratings or whatever, but I did glance at ESPN's FPI uh, football power index, and it had Florida State 25th. And then I went back and looked at the last six years, and, and bottom line is you have to go back to 2017 to find a year where Florida State was ranked higher. Now, that was at the end of the season, and we still have games left. And I thought, well, that's a start as we, as we try to step back from the frustration of defeat and kind of assess where the program is. That is saying something. I think we're all aware, but that is putting some numbers behind the fact that the product's been better. Yeah, I think the overwhelming evidence of the last seven games is that Florida State can beat anybody on the schedule. And, and, and the problem just is, though, that the, the margin for error is pretty thin with these guys. And... You know, we can debate all the other things, the injuries, the play calls, the, the third downs, the, uh, the fourth down, should they go for it or not? They've been really, really close. And, and they've been close in a way that we have not seen them. Like we couldn't say this in 2018, 2019, 2020, that they, they weren't competitive in a lot of games. And, and people aren't looking for moral victories right now because it's year three with Mike Norvell. But 
I think you see enough optimism, at least I do, where I think they've got a really good shot to to finish the season strong, possibly beat Miami and Florida, go to a bowl game, and and have a really good season. It, it's certainly not, I think, what a lot of people thought when we were 4-0, but it's still looking like a pretty good year, especially if you look back at where a lot of our projections were, say, in July or August before camp broke and, and you started to kind of put down what you thought those win-loss records might be. Bob, is it fair to divide the quote-unquote faithful into us fans who are disappointed, but what appears to be the players which are still excited and committed? Is that a fair defining line? I think it's fair to see the progress and improvement but still be frustrated is that, I mean, I think there's a way to say yes and yes to both, whether you're a fan, media, optimist, realist, pessimist. Um, you know, I, I do think there's a lot of fans who have just said, Hey, I, I'm, I'm kind of giving up, so to speak with a team that has lost three games pretty close, you know, questioning different reasons why I, I think when teams lose, we, we kind of rewrite plays in our mind, we try to think about could a team have figured out how to find success on a play, how to execute it better? Could a coach have called something differently or gone for it versus not gone for it? We rewrite things, and, and maybe that's part of the, the, the therapy of talking through it to, to some degree. I, I think what maybe frustrates me the most is this team is just so close and has made its own mistakes. I think that NC State game is one that we'll look back similar in some regards to the 2012 game up there where that's a game that this Florida state team could have won many times over. It was, it was partially on playing and partially on coaches. So I, I get the frustration of the fans. I, I get where they're coming from, but I also think the outlook is, is potentially going to be quite good. When you look back at this year, again, if you can finish out with wins over Florida and Miami, maybe seven or eight wins, that's a pretty good year three. If you look at the progression of Norvell going from three wins to five to then again, whatever we end up with uh, at the end of this year. Yeah. Seven, I think is where I had FSU at the start of the year. And uh, yeah, I'm not convinced they're going to run the table or that all these games are uh, easily winnable. Could they win all of them? Sure. Florida, Miami, it wouldn't matter what caliber team they had. I'll always worry about playing Florida and Miami because those are rivalry games. So and there goes my alarm. So uh, I'll tell you what, I'll go deal with that. But what I was going to say is Fabian Lovett is coming back and Winston Wright also. Yeah, I think we had good news on the practice field on, on Tuesday. You know, we've been sort of on Winston Wright watch very consistently these last few weeks. He has done a little bit more and more on Tuesday, um, you know, taking some snaps where he's in one-on-one -on -one coverage with various defensive backs. He had not really gone through contact drills at Florida State, um, you know, over these past few weeks that have been just him sort of running, cutting, catching passes. This is yet the next step to, to see what happens when a, a defensive back jams you and, and puts puts a, a hand on the shoulder and, and tries to throw you off your route and, and kind of make, make things a little bit more uncomfortable for you. That's the next step for Winston Wright. And, and then of course, getting him into a seven on seven, eventually an 11 on 11 situation. He's definitely getting closer don't really know, don't really have a timetable if Georgia Tech is it, but it feels like he's pushing toward potentially Georgia Tech. And then, yes, with Fabian Lovett, 
encouraging signs, especially because I think, you know, we've seen how Florida State has struggled to defend the run. And when you have a guy like Fabian Lovett there, not only does he impact the run personally, but how the whole offensive line blocks and what does, what does the running back do? What does the tight end do? Do you double team a guy like Fabian just because of what he can do in terms of being disruptive? So a, a somewhat healthier Fabian Lovett back out there, even on a, a limited snap count, you know, we've seen the coaches bring a lot of guys back on limited snap counts. I think that's something that we can probably look forward to against Georgia Tech is, is how many snaps can he take. But even a Fabian Lovett at 25 snaps, give or take, is really a really good sign for Florida State moving forward here and, um, and coming at, the, at just the right time right after this bye. Bob, Tom, and I talked in our Sunday show about, you know, the, the timing of this bye week and that it might be as important from a mental standpoint for those that are healthy, but also a physical standpoint for those that are nicked up and coming back from, from injury. And, and I like to think of it as, you know, the first third of the season was the camp. The, the, the second third was the first seven games now. And now the, the last third of the season and, and hopefully a bowl game that follows is these next five games once you get past this bye week. And so from that standpoint, it, it's an important week for different reasons, for different players, depending on where they're at in the progress. Yeah, it's a great point. And I haven't maybe taken a historical look back through, say, Florida State or other programs. You know, what does a second bye potentially mean for you in terms of how you finish? it's probably apples to oranges because every team's a little bit different and, and you get guys back from injuries. Um, perhaps you're a younger team and, and guys develop a little bit later on in the year. I, I think this has the potential just for this group to be very, very good to, to get a lot of guys rested. Um, you know, we've seen Jared verse go down to injuries from time to time. Uh, a, a guy who I think needs, needs a break. We've, we've seen, what can Ja'Kai Douglas do now that he's just getting back into the rhythm of, hey, I got to play that one game before the bye. Now he's get that has that confidence, and you can use him in so many different ways, running back, receiver, uh, slot outside, who knows, maybe even in the return game if you decide to put him out there again. So they're getting guys back. I, I think they're, you know, yeah, there's still some injuries, but, but big picture, I kind of like two buys for college football. I think that's the way it should be. I think coaches will see the benefit and it, it does make the schedule a little bit longer. You know, we talked back in, in the summer about, do you like starting in July? And, and maybe some people will say, I don't want to, I want more of a summer break, but honestly, the way the college football calendar is, it, it feels like it's 52 weeks out of the year, except for when the coaches are on cruise lines in the middle of, of July, there's, it's a constant calendar. I think getting the extra buys, especially as the calendar gets longer, the college football playoff is going to expand. You just have to build in these breaks for these guys so that you get the best out of them every Saturday. Well, we're going to uh, credit Tom Block with the original thought several years ago where everybody should start on what we traditionally called week zero so that, in fact, everyone would have two bye weeks throughout the year uh, as you get ready for potentially a uh, conference championship game and then as we transition into the expanded playoff. Uh, so we're going to call that the block schedule. Uh, we're, we're going to give him credit for having come up with that when we all actually get to doing it that way. Keith, I appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to admit here, uh, I didn't hear most of the last five minutes of this show. I don't know how audible uh, my alarm going off at the house was, 
But uh, after dealing with that, I then had to, uh, I sat back down, had to remute because the alarm monitoring company was calling to make sure that I was okay, which you guys can judge for yourself, but I think it was a false alarm. Um, as to the, I did hear the last point of what you said, Bob, and starting in July, I've got the fix for that too. Nobody can start before August 1st, and you can make your own call as to whether you want to play week zero and then get a break after that, or you just want to play week one. But just, just put a date in there. Everybody's still getting the same amount of time. You don't have to have 28 days or 32 or whatever it is. August 1st, that's the first day you can go. See, I've got it all solved. Anyway. Yeah, I think and the other thing, yeah, this is a discussion for another day, but I'm not sure anymore down the road how many Power 5 versus FCS matchups we need. I think you kind of look at the calendars and you want to put the best teams out there. The FCS schools can make money by playing a G5 school. Um, and, and I love that Florida State played Duquesne this year. It worked out great with LSU. Logistically, it was it was pretty well perfectly lined up. But do fans really want to see year after year an FCS versus a Power 5? I think that can kind of help you out with the potential of a double buy as you kind of schedule and map out your calendar as a coach. Well, speaking of Power Five, we got two top five programs playing on Thursday night in soccer. So let's transition to that. FSU with three regular season games left. They got North Carolina coming in. Um, this has the all the makings of being a pretty special, pretty special contest on Thursday night. Yeah, I think Florida State's used to hosting these types of games and, and always kind of looked at North Carolina as a as an intriguing matchup. Um, I, I admit I haven't done a deep dive on a lot of the teams in the ACC. I think what we have to like about, about Coach Penske's teams are that they've battled and they've, they seemingly have improved in my view. I think there was a lot of maybe hand-wringing how they started the year. You know, a lot of ties. Are, are they even good enough to, to match up with some of these SEC schools that they were tying with? And I think in the end, you, were, you just have to say, be patient. You know, that's how you start a year with a new coach, with a new scheme. Um, you're, you're shaking it up for a lot of veterans and you have to get them time to acclimate and adjust. And, and then you go up to Virginia, you get the early goal and, and win a, a big game up there on the road. So yeah, things didn't go well against Notre Dame, but, but this has been, I, I think it'll be an interesting story to talk to a lot of these girls, a lot of the veterans after the year, maybe once they have time to reflect on just everything that they've encountered since, you know, coach Gregorian said, you know, I'm, I'm just not going to be the coach anymore. It's going to be an interesting story for somebody to write and maybe even, you know, for them to tell. But yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun night on Thursday and, and potentially kind of sets the tone for the postseason as far as the ACC tournament. And then, uh, you know, maybe maybe seeding as far as the NCAA tournament too. Yeah, I think the NCAA has FSU fifth right now. So obviously you want to be in the top four, right? So you play everything at home. Uh, we'll, we'll talk with Coach uh, in the next segment uh, about his team. But this, this really, and he's done a to me, he's done a nice job, Bob. You talk, you know, they got off two ties at the start, but they're 10 and one since then uh, against pretty good competition. This is where the pressure starts, though, when you talk about the track record that Gregorian left behind. Nobody's looking back and talking about how many games Mark won during the regular season in his career. They're talking about how they played for ACC championships and won them, and they went to the College Cup every year. That There's got to be some weight to that. I mean, maybe not the first go around until you lose, and then that mounts a little more every year, right? Yeah, you don't know. It's like everything else. Postseason baseball is different from regular season baseball. Postseason football has a different feel to the playoff, the way it's structured. I think everything's going to be a little bit different in how in how it just feels, the travel, the preparation, um, the X's and O's. 
I, I just, I have to admire what, what the ladies have been through. Honestly, the, the more I think about it, it's just an incredible story of how they've, you know, recommitted to, to a program, to them, to themselves as teammates, as sisters. When we talk about football as a brotherhood, I think they've committed many of them to each other, to this kind of, um, you know, we want to try this and, and maybe even, um, you know, see what they can accomplish. I, I don't feel like going into the year, I felt like this is a college cup team or this isn't a college cup team. It was more of, let's just see how some of the games play out. Let's see how they, the kind of chemistry can build and how they can play. And it, it's been fun to watch. I, I think there's just a lot of soccer left for them to, for us to enjoy. Bob, anything else we should know? There's probably yeah. lots we should know, but anything else you want to share? There, there's, there's, Actually, it's a good kind of overlapping season. I mean, fall ball is going on. We talked to Link Jarrett, uh, you know, Tuesday afternoon. Have a, a video up on the site of him on the Osceola talking about the field improvements, what they're doing over, um, you know, with the, some of the newcomers. And, you know, honestly, if you're in town, it's a good chance to catch you know, baseball or softball this weekend as they've got some exhibition games. So fully understand if you want to enjoy the remote control and, and maybe watch you know, Clemson, Syracuse, or some of the other games are going on, but you've got a good opportunity to go out and watch some games, um, you know, this weekend and catch some baseball or softball. Sounds good. He is our Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante. Appreciate it, Bob. Take care, guys. We will turn our attention uh, all the way to Florida State soccer when the head coach joins us next on Front Row Knowles. Stay with us. Loading the kids in the car, brokering peace in the backseat, mastering the snack handoff without even looking. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. We work with independent agents who keep insurance simple so you can worry about more important things like figuring out what's growing in that cup holder. That's simple human sense. Ask the Earl Bacon Agency in Tallahassee if auto owners is right for you or visit us online at earlbacon.com. Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy. We'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank. Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Member FDIC. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom Block, Keith Jones. We're going to turn our attention to soccer right now. Not surprisingly, the Florida State soccer team, one of the best in the country again. And we're really pleased to be joined by Coach Brian Penske, who was with us uh, very shortly into his uh, days wearing garnet and gold. I, I did the math on this, Brian. You started, you were hired on April 26th. And so we're roughly 175 days into your tenure. And I would bet that you have never had a, a 175 days quite like what the last six months have been. Uh, uh, welcome again to FSU, and it's good to see you. <laughs> oh, thanks, Tom. And uh, you hit the nail on the head with that one. Uh, April 25th, 26th, whatever that day was, um, obviously uh, haven't had a second to breathe and uh, um, have enjoyed every minute of it. And I can't believe, like you just said, I cannot believe, right? 175 days, almost a half a year. I can't, I can't believe it. It feels like yesterday. 
<laughs> Brian, every coach wants to go undefeated, and uh, in soccer, you do get a few more ties, but you've got one loss. Um, satisfied with where you're at, poised for the last two or three games before you start the ACC tournament, how would you assess where you're at right now? Yeah, um, I feel pretty good uh, with where we are, you know. Um, you know, we've got three blemishes on our record and uh, don't like any of them. Um, I think, you know, what we have done with those, I think we've, we've, we've learned a little bit um, from each of those games and we've rebounded pretty nicely from each of those games and we've been able to move forward. I think, uh, you know, when you look at your team, um, you know, there's so many things you evaluate, right? Uh, how, how are we together off the field, right? And, and, and how are we just, you know, coexisting? Are we all good? Um, how's the chemistry, right? How's the energy? How's the vibe within the group? And I think that is very good. Um, how do we feel about the soccer we're playing? How do we feel about how we're defending? How do we feel about how we're attacking? Um, I think we feel pretty good. Obviously, Notre Dame happened, whatever it was, nine days ago. And all of us had a terrible feeling in our mouths, um, taste in our mouths about that. But uh, we obviously bounced back pretty nicely. And um, I think there's, there's, a, there's a pretty good energy and confidence within the group. Um, obviously, on a net, uh, within the league, we sit in a good spot, right? Um, we are not light years um, ahead of the pack, but we are currently ahead of the pack um, with teams like North Carolina absolutely breathing down our neck. And and then we're relevant on a national level in terms of where we sit um, from an RPI standpoint. So I think we're in a pretty good place um, with obviously a ton of work left to be done. Coach, I don't know that anybody's ever light years ahead of the pack in the ACC as competitive as it is. But the points you just made about where you sit and potential national seating, is that something that you discuss with the team? Do, is that a motivational tool or is it really it's, it's sort of implied and, and the women on your team know what's at stake without you really pointing to any of those things? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, at, at different places I've been, we've talked about those things to different degrees. And um, here the standard is, is, is so high. Um, it's to absolutely the expectations to win every game and be number one all the time, every time. So um, we really haven't addressed it a whole lot. You know, we, we, we did mention a week ago on that trip with UVA and, and Notre Dame, couple of the RPI numbers of, of those opponents. Um, but that's the only time I've really mentioned it. Other than that, it's, you know, uh, beyond that, it's Duke's coming to town and not much else needs to be said, right? And now North Carolina's coming to town. Not much else needs to be said. The focus really has been on how do we want to play? What are the things we want to focus upon and how are we going to get a result? As you mentioned, Notre Dame coming in and, and or excuse me, North Carolina coming in and, you know, that, that's a rivalry that has developed on, on the women's side that has been unbelievable. Talk about your preparation for that and, and, and what, if anything, do you do differently when you get ready for the Tar Heels? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously for, for many, many years, um, the, the big kid on the block um, was, was, was North Carolina and Anson Dorrance. Um, and then, uh, and then along came Mark Kukorian, you know, and uh, and Anson won a number of national championships in, in Anson's first seven or eight years. I don't know the exact number, but probably probably three or four. 
Um, and then obviously in the last eight years, Mark and this program have won three. And uh, so from, from a championship measurement, these two have been, um, been, been, been the ones on top. And uh, they've gone back and forth in ACC championships. And now, like I said, in national championships. And, uh, and our kids know, know what this game and what this rivalry is all about. Um, North Carolina has changed a bit over the years. Um, obviously, before my time at Tennessee, I was at, I was at Maryland and um, had the, whether you want to call it the fortune or misfortune of playing against North Carolina, probably, um, probably eight, uh, eight, nine, ten times, something like that. And uh, they've, they've evolved over time. Um, they're still, the things that don't change about Carolina is they're athletic. Um, they throw a ton of bodies at you. They rotate a lot of kids. Um, they pressure you. They, they make it hard to play. Um, and and they're, they're very attacking. And uh, so Duke, Duke, I mean, you look at our last two opponents, Duke and Notre Dame have a little bit of a blend of all of that. And, uh, and then you even factor one before that, uh, Virginia. So um, Carolina is going to give us all we can handle, right? It's going to be a very tough game. It's going to be a very tough game to win. Um, but I think these last three matches, um, Virginia, Notre Dame, and Duke, um, have hopefully prepared us um, for, for the types of things that Carolina is going to throw at us. But, uh, but our kids know, right? Ooh, you know, um, we don't win all the games we've won this year without, without fantastic players, without fantastic leadership and maturity and experience. So we've got a lot of kids that have been involved in this game. And uh, um, I don't think there are gonna be any surprises. We're just gonna need, need to be able to keep um, Anson and his troops at bay as best we can Thursday night. Coach, for those who have followed the program this year, uh, I, I'm curious about this because if, if it's been tight at the half, or even if you're up one nil or two nil, I'm curious what you're telling the team because I've watched a couple of matches and in the first 20 minutes of the second half, it's just boom, 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 a barrage of two, three goals. I mean, you just have completely finished the opponent in a short stretch. So what, what are you drinking at halftime in there? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, I'll, I'll say it again, all credit to the kids, you know, um, you know, uh, I've, I've been asked that question a lot of times after some of these games and, um, Credit, I take none. Um, you know, last week against Duke, I just, we, we told them at halftime. It was one-to-one -one at halftime, and we told them we thought they had a great half, and we thought we deserved to be up, um, but uh, we were tied. And a couple little tiny tweaks, but honestly, just inspiring them, telling them, hey, no surprises in this game. Just keep doing you guys. Keep playing. Keep your foot on the gas and come out and attack them. And, uh, and our kids, they feel energized, and they feel charged, and you know, sometimes, you know, some, some, some kids coming off a little bit of a break at halftime and maybe just before half and they come out foot on the gas. And I think, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's, it's been almost two different halves. There, there have been, I think, five, four or five of our ACC games where we have literally scored against UVA. We scored 45 seconds in against, uh, I think it was maybe Boston College. We scored a minute and one second in. I think against Clemson, we scored a minute 45 in. And then some of these other games, Miami and then Duke, where they've been tied at halftime, we've come out and scored in the first several minutes of the second half. So in, in, in all games, really, but Notre Dame, we've put ourselves in a good spot, whether it's right at the start of the game or at the start of the second half. And uh, 
um, it sets a tone, obviously, for that final 45 of whichever half it may be. Brian, you were very familiar, obviously, with the FSU program, your time at Maryland. Even when you were at Tennessee, you knew what was going on. I'm just curious, now six months in, has there been anything that surprised you about this program or anything that was a little unexpected, positively or negatively, that you just didn't see, but now it was very clear to you? Yeah, that's a, that's uh, unsurprisingly a very good question. Um, I would say uh, um, one, one thing that has, I don't know if surprise is the right word, but um, uh, amazing is, is is um, kind of the support here within our soccer program and the, the video analysis um, and kind of the team that Mark put together um, in, in terms of breaking down film, breaking down video and the, the number of people that we have, have that, that help us and in turn, most importantly, help our kids analyze um, and review their own performances. Um, where I've been, it's all been done by the coaches and we've done every, every one and we're the ones that are always getting our hands dirty. But um, he's created, you know, for lack of better words, almost an analysis team within our staff here um, that, that they're working through, through the middle of the night um, and beyond after each game, breaking down all the film so that uh, obviously we as coaches are watching the games um, repeatedly, but, but the analysis and the detail of the people behind the scenes here is, uh, it's, it's at the level of a professional club and probably greater than professional clubs. So, so that really, um, I, I had no idea what I was stepping into there. Um, and, then, and then I think the other thing that has really impressed me about this place is, is how, how, how intelligent and savvy our players are. Um, um, you know, it's one thing, you know, the makeup of every athlete, right, is, okay, what are they like from a skill standpoint? And it doesn't matter the sport, right? To be talking about a basketball player. What are they, what are they like from a skill standpoint? What are they like um, from an athletic standpoint, right? How do they move, right? How strong are they? Are they quick? Are they fast? Um, but then it's also what's in between their ears, right? What's their brain like? What's their feel and understanding of the game? And the extent to which these kids understand and read the game and feel the game and understand it is is well beyond anything I've been a part of um, in terms of um, teams that I've coached and uh, um, these these kids are and it's no surprise right almost half the team is international so they grow up where around the world where the world you know there's no American football there's no American basketball there's no baseball it's you know football is king so to speak and so uh, um, the level of sophistication of this team is uh, is truly off the charts. Coach, we'll let you go on this. We're, we're talking with Brian Penske, FSU soccer coach. Uh, you haven't named any individuals, and I know you could salute probably everybody on your roster from top to bottom. But as I look at it uh, and when I've seen you play, I know Jenna Neiswanger is maybe third in the country in assists right now. Uh, Jody Brown and her speed always stick out. But, I mean, that's that's not even mentioning. I think you've got a seventh-year player. you got a keeper who's unbelievable. I mean, just take a moment to, to share uh, whoever you want to salute on your team. Yeah, I mean, you 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 just nailed about four or five of them, right? With from from Jenna to to the job Roque's been doing in the goal to to Jody Brown, really kind of you know getting hot here in ACC play. I salute Beata Olson, who 
you know, is our center forward who she doesn't quite have the goal production that she wants to have this year, but her work um, and her brain up top sets the tone for everything else. Claire Robbins, our seventh year player, Leilani Nesbeth, who has stepped into a brand new position. She's never played defensive midfield in our, in our life, in her life. And she's arguably, um, you know, maybe the most important player on our team in terms of the job she does in there. We've got a you know, Lauren Flynn is the returning center back. We, we had no other back kids in the back line who, who have returned from last year. And she's got a freshman playing next to her and Heather Gilchrist and Ron EY starting every game in the back for us. She's never been a starter in the back. Sophia Wynn, freshman starter in the back. And then, and then Heather Payne, who um, has been in and out of uh, our team because she's just qualified for the World Cup with Ireland. Um, she's absolutely one of our best players and thankfully she's back for, for, for good now down the stretch. And then, and then our one loan transfer, Joe Eccagini, Oni Eccagini from Mississippi state. She's tied with Jody Brown in, in the league for goals with six start kept starting off for ACC play with a hat trick in our first game against Boston college. So uh, there are so many kids and I could go on and on and on, but, uh, we have a good team. We have a lot of good players. Um, they're all experienced at a high level and they want to be great. And uh, which goes back to your first question, how do I feel about our team? Um, you know, <laughs> those are a lot of good players, which makes us look lucky coaches and uh, hopefully um, a lot of soccer left to be played. Yeah, amen to that. And uh, we know for sure you're playing on Thursday at the, uh, the Seminole Soccer Complex against North Carolina. It'll be a top five showdown. Florida State's tough to beat at home, tough to beat in general. Best of luck, and uh, not just on Thursday, but the rest of the way. And we appreciate a few minutes of your time. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Tom. Appreciate it. You bet. That is Coach Brian Penske. We'll take a break, come back, and wrap up Front Row Knowles right after this. Fall is in the air. Football season's here, and your best deals are still at Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Whether you're tailgating at the game or taking a trip, we got what you need. With new vehicles rolling in daily and the best used car inventory in North Florida and South Georgia, it's a great time to buy. Looking for a truck? How about the RST or the Trailblazer, LTZ, High Country, or the ZR2? We've always got the right truck for you. So whether it's sales or service, come by and see us or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy and service your Chevrolet the Hobson way. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Ask the Earl Bacon Agency in Tallahassee if auto owners is right for you, or visit us online at earlbacon.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles, thanks to Coach Brian Penske for joining us. He uh, certainly has uh, done a nice job of, of fitting in and and uh, steering the program thus far, Keith. I say that, and, you know, the easy thing to do would be to say, well, he just inherited a national championship roster. How hard could it be? But I think we all know the reality is that uh, winning at that level, regardless of talent, is, a, is about making personalities mesh. And when you're the new guy coming into a situation like that, that wasn't necessarily the easiest uh, of, of tasks. Probably somewhat challenging for him to get to know his team and, and try not to tinker too much and, and take advantage and capitalize on what the talent base is. 
the reality is, as he talked about, if you read between the lines, the off of the field things were more important this season than the on the field things. And, and making sure that the, the squad got along, there was agreement, they were, they were, there was buy-in and all the things that are associated with that. The thing that has really impressed me though, Tom, is, is, is Penske, Coach Penske had a reputation both at Maryland and at Tennessee as maybe being a little more aggressive than what Florida State might have been used to doing. Uh, past Florida State teams were a little more patient. Uh, they, they relied a little more on defense as opposed to offense. And you've slowly seen this FSU squad, and you mentioned it, particularly after halftimes of coming out in the second half and from an offensive standpoint, really, you know, putting the foot on the pedal. And so a, a good blend of, of what existed and then his need and want and vision to do something a little more aggressive. Uh, and I, I think, I think you'd have to say through what 13, 14 games with three remaining on the schedule, that it has been a pretty, pretty nice, um, conversion from one coach to the other and some really good success. Yeah, definitely. I think Florida State's second in the off in the country in offense right now. We'll see. Uh, Mark Krikorian favored a, a possession style, and that certainly played well to the tune of three national championships and a few other national championship game appearances. Uh, so that that is a lot of pressure, but it's it's a it's a fun team to watch. And uh, Nolan and I are going to go to the game uh, on Thursday night to watch uh, FSU and Carolina play. All right, just a few minutes left, Keith. we got a bye week. Coaches are hitting the road recruiting. They're leaving town uh, on Wednesday, many of them, to see what's out there. There were a ton of recruits in last weekend. I don't think anything that's happened thus far hurts momentum. I do think that this Georgia Tech game all of a sudden becomes a little bigger than maybe what we anticipated. Georgia Tech's playing Thursday night this week. They're going to beat Virginia. They'll come in having won three in a row since they fired their coach. That said, I think if you step back, Florida State's the better football team and should win the game next week against Georgia Tech. Agreed, agreed. One of the many, um, and when I say many, I don't mean M-A-N-Y, but I mean M-I-N-I, uh, things that I'm going to be interested in. This will be the first time that Chris Winkie's been back as a quote-unquote opposing coach uh, still on the staff at Georgia Tech. So that's going to be interesting to see him back in Doak Campbell Stadium. Been a little while. Uh, of course, one of his uh, prime weapons, Peter Warwick, was back last week. It was good to see him. But yeah, Winky will come in and, you know, we've, we've seen this dynamic, Keith, if you think back to when Jimbo left and Odell took over and the team rallied around Odell for a bit. And then it happened again when, when Willie was, was let go. But the other thing that happened is that while the team rallied around Odell, when they got to the point where they played a team that was a better team, they lost that game. And so I'm, I'm hoping that's what happens in this case, because Florida state's a better team than Georgia tech. It is, and it begins, as I mentioned earlier in, in the show, it begins a five-game stretch, you know, if you will, the, the last third of the season. And with this bye week and the opportunity for some rest, both mentally and physically, maybe getting some kids back that have been on uh, the proverbial IR, uh, and they get an opportunity to play some plays, uh, you know, a, a good segue in terms of refocusing the last third of the season, which begins with the Yellow Jackets a week from Saturday. Yeah, we've, we've beaten it to this to death starting on Sunday. I think the mental break is as important as the physical break here. And I do agreed, think they'll have agreed. the guys, you know, I think they'll have Fabian back. We don't, we don't know that, but he, he'll make a difference inside certainly. And maybe verse two versus 
I mean, if you think about it, he's come back and he's played to his credit, but there's been about one play a game since he returned where he's been helped off the field again. So he's, he's clearly not a hundred percent there or it's in his mind. So maybe the extra week will do him some good too. Cause uh, we could use the Jared verse we saw against LSU. Without question. And, and in his absence, hats off to, to coach Papucius and the rest of those defensive ends, those young defensive ends. We've seen some of these young kids grow up in that position as well since they've been given the opportunity. Yeah, Patrick Payton in particular. Okay, we are out of time. Once again, thanks to Coach Brian Penske. If you want to catch FSU soccer, they play Thursday night against North Carolina. I know the Plex will be packed. Thanks to Bob Ferrante for all your Florida State news. Uh, subscribe to the Osceola if you don't already. And Keith, uh, enjoy not seeing me on Sunday. We'll uh, talk to everybody again next Wednesday. It'll be a pleasure, Tommy. This is Front Row Knowles.